Ah, Viva La Mexico. Today we're going to be covering some creepy and allegedly true stories from the great country of Mexico. I've never visited Mexico myself, but I look forward to doing it very soon. From what my friends tell me, it's a very beautiful and serene place. But, as we've learned on this show, every beautiful and serene location has a darker side to it. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends, and welcome if you're new. As you heard, today we're covering some allegedly true, scary stories from Mexico. As always, if you have a scary story that you would like to share in a future episode, whether it's from a different country or just something entirely different, I'd love to see what you have. Send in your story at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. Now, without further ado... Let us jump into these allegedly true and downright creepy horror stories from Mexico. It was my summer break. I was 15 at the time and my older sister was 16. My mother decided to visit my grandmother and grandfather in Mexico. We would see the small town of Libiano, which was at the time the closest to their ranch. The ranch was about 15 minutes from the city in a little secluded and hidden area in the mountains and hills. There was little law enforcement at the time, and the people of the town decided to create their own law enforcement, which I found a little uncomforting. So we flew into Mexico City, and then took a car ride for about 3-4 to four hours to the town, and then another ride to where my mother lived. For a few days, everything was great. I would wake up early and herd the cows from a massive hill and corral them and milk them, enjoy the views and relax. I remember the exact date and time of this encounter, because I had my phone in my hand. It was a Thursday. I couldn't sleep very well, so I decided to watch some anime until I got sleepy. I had downloaded some episodes for this specific occasion. After a couple of hours of watching, I needed to use the restroom. The restroom was not inside the house, but outside in a little hut, or an outhouse as some others would call it. The house had a massive tree beside it. That's where they had a little chicken corral, and the restroom was in the front of the house, but to the right of it a bit. This tree is a tall ceiba tree, with no branches until it reaches the canopy. It was about 3.24am, and I left the house while staring at my phone when my body froze. I was halfway to the restroom when my heart started pumping, as if I was running a triathlon. I looked up from my phone to the tree to see this, I guess what I can only describe, thing staring at me. It kind of looked like a person, or at least its silhouette did. I somehow came over the fear that froze me and slowly walked into the restroom. Its eyes were blank, almost like this thing was unconscious, but they felt threatening at the same time like when a cougar was about to jump on a deer. The thing looked like it was leaning on the tree from the top branch. I quickly closed the door and hoped whatever this thing was would have left me alone. I didn't really believe in the supernatural, although cryptids did interest me at the time. I was always a heavy skeptic, so I was a dumb rational thinker. Though, I was dumb and decided to use the restroom and watch anime anyway, until a few minutes had passed and I heard a loud thump. I felt the ground shake a bit. This thing, whatever it was, had jumped from the tree to the ground and in front of the restroom. I felt trapped. 
and I started to have a panic attack when I accidentally turned off the light in the bathroom. I held my breath and tried to calm myself down when I suddenly heard footsteps slowly getting farther away. Then, I felt a sudden urge of relief that seemingly calmed me down for a few minutes. I waited about 15 minutes to leave the restroom and go back into the house. In the morning, while we were all at the table having breakfast, I asked my mom if she had ever heard anything similar to this. She replied with a confused, no. My sister looked at me like an idiot and mocked me. I asked my grandfather if he's seen anything late at night in the trees. He told me about the lizards and the occasional raccoon, but I knew what I saw was much larger than both of those things. I explained what I saw to him, and he gave me a worried look. As soon as he got up, he muttered something I could barely hear, but I'm pretty sure he said, again? under his breath. Later in the day, I saw him in the back of the house burning some herbs and looking around suspiciously. My grandmother set out a little statue of the Virgin Mary. Nothing else happened for the rest of the two weeks that I was there. To this day though, looking on the internet for what I saw, I just can't find an answer. I don't know what it was. I wanted to share this story with you on your show to see if anyone else has had a similar experience. This happened a few days ago, when my family decided to visit Mexico. They usually visit not only to visit my grandparents, but also to donate unwanted items from our house to the kids that are in desperate situations and need it more than we do. I don't normally go to Mexico, not because I don't want to, but because of the pets that need to be watched and such, as well as our valuables and our neighborhood is sadly now being targeted for robbings and such like that. It's gotten even worse, especially over the events of 2020 and, you know, everything that came with that. My parents would urge me to go to Mexico with them this time, though, but I kept insisting that I would stay. And boy, do I now have another reason why I never want to go back to Mexico. My uncle, who I will call Rick for privacy reasons, wanted to tag along to see his mom, as it had been over a decade since he hasn't really paid a visit to Mexico in a very long time. My stepdad gladly took him, and ahead we went. My stepdad took our truck and trailer, which was filled to the brim with bikes, clothes, and other pieces of furniture. You name it, we have it, and are willing to donate. While my mom wanted to make sure that she got there quickly, she took a plane as my three-year-old baby sister couldn't stand a four-day drive. I didn't want to go as I needed to watch the pets and stuff and our house and all that, but despite that, my mom convinced me that she would hire someone to watch the place for us. I sadly agreed and relaxed without having to worry about my pets and let someone do the work for me. Still, me being me, I don't really trust people to look after our stuff and all that. Especially after the stuff that happened this year and other personal events I will not really get into, but I just really don't trust anyone basically. My mom's flight was due a few days after my stepdad's initial journey from our state up north. All the way to California and then into Mexico. I let my mom prepare for her flight while also telling me what to do around the house and what to do and what not to do. All the mom things you hear when you're going to be the man of the house for a few days while they're gone. Two days went by without incident until I walked to the kitchen and spotted a cricket on the ceiling. A lot of questions popped up into my mind. First of all, how did that cricket get up there? Why is it up there? I told my mom and her reaction was not something I would expect. She urged me to kill it 
and without question, I got the bug spray and slapped it off the ceiling with my shoe, making sure it was dead. I didn't really understand why my mom wanted me to kill it, let alone have such a shocked reaction. My mom was never really scared of bugs, so why was she suddenly so terrified about this one little cricket? Two days went by faster than I expected. My mom invited me to go out and eat and talk and go shopping and stuff and see the sights of Mexico. I agreed and went out to eat. We had a long discussion about our family, friends, etc. I remember sitting back for a moment and recognizing the cricket incident. I asked my mom if she remembered the cricket and why she had such an adverse reaction to it. What she told me next makes me regret asking, but at the same time, questioned my own beliefs and ideology. She told me a story about how a few years ago, she also spotted a cricket. She tried to kill it, but much to her dedication, it escaped her sight. She searched as much as she could, trying to find a thing until she had to give up and continue with her day. A few weeks would roll by, and she got a call from my grandmother, telling me that her grandpa had tragically passed away from a stroke. Let me tell you, hearing your mom cry over a family member is nothing. Nobody wants to relive. She had a theory about the crickets, telling me about how they were warning signs to something tragic, like spotting a crow or a black cat, I guess. I was skeptical because I didn't believe in that kind of stuff, but I gave her the benefit of the doubt. We continued with our day, but little did we know, this day we would take a complete 180 and just turn our lives upside down. I was upstairs playing my video games and talking to my girlfriend at the time. I told her I would be right back as I wanted to go get something to drink. I went downstairs and saw that my mom was on the phone with a panicked expression. I waited for her to end the call and asked what had happened. Apparently, while my stepdad was trying to return from his trip in Mexico, he got caught up on the US border. He was stopped by the cartel. For those who do not know, the cartel is the Mexican mafia basically, and it's responsible for all the illegal drug trafficking, human smuggling, and much of the murders. When they don't get what they want from someone, they kidnap them and torture them for fun, while carving into their skin, leaving behind their signature symbols to put out some messages to people to pay their fee or be tortured and killed. My stepdad was held at gunpoint, demanded to pay a fine of $600 per person. My uncle and stepdad did not have the money, which angered the group. They told him to follow them as they were going to take them somewhere safe, quote-unquote. What my stepdad did next was something that still even surprises me. He pretended to follow them, only to make a complete 180 in their truck, speeding off the highway, almost making them crash into the now busy roads. When people went to escape from impending danger, they will do literally anything. They try to look for the earliest and easiest escape possible, even if it might cost them an arm or a limb. Luckily though, they got away but the cartel wasn't giving up there. They thankfully didn't follow as they knew they would be caught as members in the public, ultimately would screw them over. They went back to the nearest police station, trying to have something done about the incident, but instead of sending police out to patrol the area, let alone escort them to a safe place, all they said was, if I were you, I wouldn't have come here to try to solve this. I later then learned that much of the cartel owned the city, and the police were pretty much just hired lackeys for the cartel at this point and they would do whatever the cartel wanted. The cartel basically has the Mexican government at their fingertips. Seeing how much they have grown and killed and done all of what they do, you could see that nobody's really working to stop them. US government officials like the FBI and CIA 
often ask what they can do, but even quite often they are paid off. Since they're still in Mexican territory, though, there's not a lot that the U.S. officials could even do if they wanted to. The cartel doesn't take failure so lightly, and they are willing to do whatever it takes to get the job done. They luckily made it back into the U.S., and my family was safe, though. They did get chased for quite a while, apparently, over the border, according to my uncle. We were talking about it once at dinner, and they really seemed shaken up about it, so I don't think they really, you know... I really don't think they exaggerated anything. All I know is I don't know what those people wanted from them outside of the $600. I don't know why they were so intent on trying to torture them. I feel like even if they gave them the 600 they probably would have been chased down, cut up, or whatever anyway. Thank you for sharing my story. I know it might have been a bit jumbled, but I just wanted to get this off my chest. This story is true. I have five people who can vouch for me, since they experienced it themselves. We were in a youth group together, and loved to do missionary work, so we would do mission trips together. We had gone to Mexico twice before, and our youth pastor had asked us if we wanted to go help another church down in Mexico. He told us that we would be spending three nights there. We all said yes, we would love to, and we got ready to do an overnight trip. When we got to the church, it was huge. We later found out that it was made in 1895 and was one of the more popular churches in the area. It can sit about a thousand people or so. When we showed up, we were really taken aback from the sheer size of it. The thing even had a tower. So, when we walked in with our bags, one of the church members came over to us and had told us that all of the rooms, they had been full. So, we would be sleeping in the hallway. We said, all right, and set up our makeshift beds and our little areas. The first day of us doing work around the church, we all noticed that they had bars on all the windows. One of us asked why they had that, and they told us it used to be an asylum for some time. I would be lying if I said that this didn't freak us out just a little bit. Later that night, the five of us stayed up late and watched some YouTube videos and movies. Everyone was asleep before 11 p.m. that night and I was slowly getting ready to fall asleep myself. Suddenly, I heard someone walking around. I figured that it was one of the staff members and didn't think anything of it, initially. What changed my mind, though, is that the footsteps kept going on for about an hour. I honestly started to get mad. I was already tired and worn out from the day of traveling. So, I got up and looked around. I peeked around the corner, and the footsteps abruptly stopped, and all the sound that they made was gone in an instant. This would happen two more times that night. Apparently, one of my friends even got up and the exact same thing happened to him. On the second night, we had some middle schoolers come out to the church. A few of them had run off and me and my friends were tasked to go get them so we could all lead as a group. The group of kids had gone towards the front entrance. There were only two ways you could go to get there though. One was to come back the way we were walking and the other was up this set of stairs. We saw them run up the stairs, and we followed them up. Since there were three of us, we decided to block them off. Two of us would block their escape by the stairs, and one of us would go up. When we went up, we eventually caught them, but one of the kids was still missing. There was a ladder that went up the tower, and we thought that the kid maybe went up there. So me and my friend Eric 
went up to check it out. We couldn't see any sign of the kid, so we eventually assumed the kid just went back and got food. When we got out of the tower, we heard three loud bangs come from behind us. Eric and I looked at each other and said, no, we're getting the heck out of here, and we got back to the group and ate our food. That night, when I tried to sleep, we heard those footsteps again. Almost the entire night we would hear them echoing around us. We put earbuds in so we could sleep at least. That last day was absolutely terrible. A middle schooler was having a fight with his mom and ran off. Once again, we were tasked with finding them. According to the staff, he had run off toward the basement. While down there, we saw the door to where they would hold people from, the asylum back in the day. There were so many rooms that the five of us agreed to split up and search, and that one of us would stay in wait. Eric said that he would stay in wait, so James, Olivia, Nathan, and myself all went in and started to check the rooms one by one. Slowly, going down through the hallway, if I remember right, it was probably the third hallway we checked, and we opened the first door. We saw that they were storing items in there. Of course, I was holding open the door, and James took off running with Olivia, right behind him. At first, Nathan and I didn't think anything of it, and thought they were just playing around. Nathan and I turned around, and saw a shadow figure standing there right behind us. We collectively let out a series of curse words. Nathan was a better runner than I was, so he reached the door first. As the door opened outward, and was closing faster than it should have, I let out a hell no, and kicked the thing open. Afterwards, I yelled at my friends for leaving me behind and letting the door almost shut on me, because it's the type of door that locks from the inside and can only be opened from the other side, so that is why I was so angry with them. Anyway, that was my story from my time working as a missionary in Mexico. The country is a beautiful and serene place, with rich history and wonderful people. I would highly recommend anyone who has the chance to visit the country do it at least once in their lifetime. Maybe you will experience some of the supernatural energy that I did. I never thought I'd have anything too juicy to share until a few nights ago that I sat down in my room and was listening to some scary stories on Swamp Dweller's channel. First of all, I'm Mexican, but came to the US when I was just a toddler. My mom herself had fully experienced growing up in Mexico, specifically in our rural hometown, about two hours away from any major city. I'm just finding the time to share about this now, but a few nights ago me and my mom struck up a conversation about her silly times in Mexico as a young girl, and her living on a ranch with her siblings and parents. It didn't get too exciting until I asked her what the nights were like. That's when she shared some interesting experiences. It completely blew my mind that the idea never struck me that my mom grew up in an area prone to weird or paranormal experiences. I was in awe, hearing all of it for the first time, especially since I'm incredibly interested in these sort of things. She began by saying that the nights were dark, sad, and sometimes scary. Why scary? I asked. She told me that a lot of the times, the dogs would act up and bark at night growling at things that just weren't there. She felt an ominous presence from time to time, or like she was being watched. From here on out, she shared a few separate stories. She told me that she would occasionally see different colored lights in the sky, 
dance and move in different directions at high speeds. Some over the hills of her hometown or ranch, were others high up in the sky. She described the most impressive one she has ever seen. She said it was like a bright ball that would disperse into all directions, into different lights that came together again in a sort of dance. Keep in mind, these sightings would go all the way back to the 80s and early 90s, as my mom was born in 1976. Following this small summary of sightings she had seen, she recalled that about a month back, she was speaking to her sister on the phone who still lives in that hometown to this day. She told my mom about a chilling experience she had about six months back from now. I'll try to describe it as best as I can. According to my mom's sister, she and her husband had decided to go on a late night fishing trip. Don't ask me, these people are used to living in this area. The destination was at a far off area where there was a river located on a sort of hill, only accessible by walking. At the edge of this said hill, was a not-so-steep, long slope going down that was covered in many rocks that would be much too difficult to traverse at night. Approaching the end of this slope, there is apparently a shrouded-off little lake. Their view was mainly the rolling hills lit up by moonlight. At one point during their little stay on this hill, they began to smell a very strong odor that they can only describe as iron, rusted iron, or something close to that. It was just a very strong odor, she described it as. The next thing they know, they see a red light or orb located where the shroud of the lake should be. They describe that this thing was moving slowly, or hovering around. They couldn't see exactly what it was because of the shrubs. As they stared at this strange red light at the bottom of the slope, she said that she could only describe it as the brightest light she had ever seen. It appeared before them, and it jumped up into the sky a light so bright that it lit up an enormous amount of the surrounding area. It was a very wide and circular light that was shining down on the ground from a source in the sky. She said she could only make out a strange round object surrounding this light. Basically, your typical saucer shape, but very large. It was apparently above where the red object was located. For the entire time that they were distracted by this, they failed to notice that the red light was moving in their direction at a steady pace, and at that point, it was making its way up the slope. She said that when they saw it that close, they basically sprinted out of there without looking back, engulfed entirely by fear. Hearing this story for the first time completely gave me goosebumps. My mom's sister and her husband didn't share this with anyone but a few people out of fear of being ridiculed. Personally, I think it's an incredible story, not just because of the scale of the encounter, but also because it makes you realize how much encounters like these could be slipping past us. It was chilling to hear about. These next few encounters are more of like paranormal phenomenon, and I think you might find these just as interesting. Towards the end of our conversation, she recalled that sometime before we came to the US, her mom was incredibly sick. So sick that all she could do was lay down, close her eyes, and have epileptic symptoms. She told me her father would constantly yell at her to not die. One night, while her and the family were caressing her and grieving, they witnessed a strange, luminescent ball of light arrive from nowhere into their home, right before their eyes. She said that when this light reached her grandmother, it dispersed and she immediately woke up with all of her sick symptoms gone, with no explanation as to what had just happened. My mom added to this by saying, 
that there was a little rumor that someone might have used witchcraft on my grandmother, but she doesn't know if that had been true or not. My mind was blown when I heard this one. I don't think I've ever heard anything quite like it before. Her last story before we wrapped it up comes from her father and the stories he would tell her. My grandfather apparently had a lot of stories, but this is the only one she could remember at that moment. When he was a younger guy, living in a much more spread about rural area, there would be these flames or fires seen in the distance. These fires would seemingly appear out of nowhere and disappear when he tried to get to their location. On one specific night, on his way home, he saw what looked like his house engulfed by flames. In total fear and distress he ran there, and as he approached the area and finally arrived, all was completely normal and still intact. I'd like to add more to this one, but she said that was about the extent of what she remembers being told. It's odd, eerie, and short. I suppose that's all I have to share. I'll have to see if she remembers anything else another time. I hope these stories are insightful in one aspect or another, because they really were for me. First, I would like to start by saying that I'm not a professional writer by any means, but have always been attracted by everything paranormal. I wasn't always the bravest person as a kid, but I liked all the paranormal stuff even still. I've experienced many things throughout my life, some things that seem like they're from a movie or a book. This time I'll be telling you more of a mild and not so strange thing that happened to me while I was walking home one night in Mexico. Before our start, I'll give you a little bit of background so you better understand my story. I was born and raised in a small town in Mexico. Everyone knew everyone, even though we all had cars, we all mostly walked everywhere. There was crime, but it was very rare, and nothing really violent ever happened. I'm the youngest of five, and my parents were rarely ever home. This meant I was able to stay up late and go pretty much everywhere, whenever I wanted. My hometown is in sort of a valley, with most of the town on one side of these tall hills. My house was located in a block at the foot of the steepest hill, with my street directly perpendicular to the two main streets leading up to it. One of these streets was a bit more of a main road. It was mostly used to lead to the hill, which was used for religious traditions and such. Anyway, this main road was mostly populated by my family with my grandmother on my dad's side and my mom's side both living on this road near the hill. Her house itself was small, but the plot was big and my aunt's house is scattered around it. This was still quite a long walk from my street, roughly about five minutes of walking or so. My family was a very typical Mexican family and would gather at her house pretty much every single night. On one night, I ended up staying way past my usual time with my cousins. By the time I started heading home, it was well past midnight. There were streetlights, but they were very spaced out along the streets, which were blocked off by a bunch of trees to begin with. It was creepy, definitely for a kid as well, but the moon was out and helped ease my nerves just a bit. I began walking downhill towards the house. The entire time I kept feeling weird, like I was being followed and watched. I didn't necessarily feel like I was in danger, but I felt incredibly uneasy. The entire walk my heart felt like it was in my throat and I felt like at any moment I would just sprint running from my life. I kept walking down the street having to look back over my shoulder every so often. I eventually reached the corner and turned toward my house. 
Now on my street, there has been a house that's been abandoned for a very long time. It always gave me the creeps and it was the third house from the corner. I was just about to walk by it. Every time I walked by, I would always walk on the opposite side of the street, which didn't have anything, not even a sidewalk. I would have to walk through the same path that night, but this time it was blocked off by these huge piles of sand and dirt, probably some kind of construction work nearby. That combined with a huge delivery truck parked on the curb belonging to my neighbors forced me to walk in the middle of the street. As I approached the house, I had to mentally prepare myself and give myself courage to walk in front of it. My heart began racing. I was always scared of that house, but for some reason, this night just seemed worse somehow. I forced myself to keep walking, and as I did I heard someone call me from the direction of the house. I froze in that instant. My heart jumped into my mouth and turned to look and I didn't see anything or anyone. I felt a huge wave of relief wash over me. I began breathing again as I had been apparently holding my breath. I was about to start walking again when I heard the voice again this time. I turned to look at a young boy. He looked to be about my age, maybe a little bit younger. It struck me as odd before I really freaked out or anything to see a kid my age standing right next to me in that house. I didn't think twice about the fact that I could see him perfectly, even though he was standing in the dark, no lights coming from an abandoned house, and even a tree blocking the moon and streetlight. He kept standing there, unmoving for a few moments, not saying a word, just kind of staring into my soul. The whole time, I was trying to process what was going on. He spoke again, asking me to go with him, saying that we could go play together. I kept trying to speak, but I just couldn't seem to form words. It felt like hours went by. The whole time I was frozen in place, just staring at this kid. My racing mind had not realized that he was glowing. I began to tremble the entire time. I kept trying to move, but I could not. I couldn't scream. I couldn't run. I couldn't do anything. That kid just stood there, staring back at me, not moving a muscle. He spoke one more time before walking a few steps closer to me. He seemed to pass like a shadow. As he walked, his figure would turn dark and then bright again. As this happened, he called my name. My full name. And then I realized he looked like me now. This shook me to my core. I jerked back at the sight of this and was finally able to break free from this trance. It was like this thing was me. But the eyes were wrong. They looked like they were full of hatred. I regained control of myself. I screamed no at whatever this was and ran faster than I ever had before. I still have no idea what that thing was. I don't know if it was a doppelganger, a demon, or what. It didn't seem to follow me, and I never saw it again after that. It still scares me to think back to that day. People ask all the time to try and figure out what it was that they saw. But honestly, I kind of don't want to know. Anyway, if you decide to share this on your channel, thank you very much for your time. Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true horror stories from Mexico. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to submit yours at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that truly help keep this show going. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button as it helps me out a ton. The more likes this episode gets, the more YouTube promotes it to fresh new eyes, and that's incredibly helpful to the swamp. 
If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit that subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new episode, as I upload them almost every single day, and all things natural and supernatural. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcast or a different podcast platform, definitely give this a five-star rating over there as it helps us grow there, and it's incredibly helpful to the show. If you're on the go, but don't have YouTube Premium, but would still like to listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories no matter where you are, you can download them absolutely free from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and just about everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. If you would like to support the Swamp outside of hitting that like button, subscribing, and checking us out on podcast platforms, maybe hit up that merch store. We've got face masks, hoodies, t-shirts, and more. I'd love to see you guys wearing some cool Swamp threads. I would love to know in the comments down below what story tonight was your favorite. I know, I know, it's always so hard to pick, isn't it? Be sure to join me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and I'll see you guys soon with another creepy episode.